guys. Welcome back to the Forking Wellness Podcast. My name is Barry Strickoff, Registered Dietitian. And I'm Sophie Bertrand, Registered Nutritionist, and we are the authors of the Forking Wellness book and obviously the Forking Wellness Podcast. Each week we sit down and we discuss all things health and wellness from debunking diet myths to nutrition information, lifestyle factors, etc. Stick with us while we try and work out what the Fork Wellness really is. I don't even know what we do. This season's podcast is sponsored by Exhale Coffee, the UK's first coffee sourced and roasted for health and performance. It's organic and tested free from mycotoxins and pesticides, and one cup of Exhale Coffee independently tested to have the same antioxidants as 12 planets of blueberries or 55 oranges. That is literally insane. It's also optimized for polyphenols and two cups provides 20% of your RDA of vitamin B3 necessary for energy production and brain support. So how do they do this? Through their unique process involving nine different independent lab tests, lots and more of coffee's natural healthy compounds while keeping out the bad. And is overseen by Dr. Ruthie, NHS medical doctor and Alex Manos, functional medicine practitioner. For those who are trying to avoid caffeine, they also offer a decaf, which is the same coffee that's been decaffeinated by the chemical-free mountain water process, which only uses pure spring water from the highest mountain in Mexico to gently extract 99.9% of caffeine and leave all the healthy polyphenols in place. For those who sometimes feel anxious from caffeine, polyphenols have been shown to reduce anxiousness so people who previously couldn't drink coffee can often drink a high polyphenol coffee like Excel's so you can be jitter and crash free. That's actually so amazing. So many people avoid caffeine because it gives them the jitters. We we love caffeine. Um, so we welcome I mean, it. Yeah, this <laughs> this version of caffeine is highly impressive. <laughs> yes. And they also equally prioritize their impact on the planet and only use plastic-free compostable packaging. They're B Corp pending and donate 2% of all sales to charities restoring the natural environment. So you can head to xlcoffee.com. And you can opt to either have your coffee ground for medium or fine for espresso or have it in whole bean. Hi guys, welcome back to this week's episode of Working Wellness. We're here today with Holly and Laura from Financial. I hope I said that right. Um, Female-focused financial, there was another F and I forgot it. Did I, what was it? <laughs> Founders? No, right. Female-focused financial wellness app. Wellness app. There you go. Well, welcome. Thank you guys so much for joining. Oh, thank you so much for having us, guys. We um are excited to talk to you. Barry and I literally seconds ago before you jumped on were like having this big old rant about female, you know, financial in a- situations, inadequacy. Yeah. And actually since I've had a child, I see it even more because I just said to Barry, the reason they get to go off and make all this money, if they've got kids, obviously. And, you know, do what they do and have the best of both worlds because they got kids as well. It's because the mums are at home allowing them to go do that. Yeah. The more you, um, I think it's interesting anyway, if you don't have children, when you see how underserved women are in the finance space, but it goes to a whole nother level when you have children and you realise the disparities when it comes to men and women, because it opens up like Pandora's box of like work, home life, society like oh there's a lot to unpick yeah so much (laughs) before we get into it because like I imagine this episode would be full of tons of rounds um if you guys could please introduce yourself how did you guys get into this do you have backgrounds in like financial wealth management or anything like that so we'd love to introduce you so we're sisters um we live nine doors down from each other which which has helped to start a business during the pandemic being physically so close, even though actually most of the time you weren't allowed to socialize. And so we were still Zoom calling. But we started off as an Instagram page, which I set up on maternity leave because I was bored and my baby was a very good sleeper during the day. And I'd gone from working, you know, 80 hours a week um, in a head of legal role, actually. So my background's legal. And I developed a way to manage money over a period of about 10 years, where initially, you know, early 20s, I was absolutely awful with money. No one ever taught me how to manage it. Financial advisors didn't want to know because your kind of earning levels are 
are, are low, your net worth's low, you've probably got student debt, you know, you're not of interest to someone. And so, you know, I, I then became a single mother quite young and I just, I had a graduate job. I literally had no excuse to have no money left at the end of every month. So I spent a long time unpicking why that was and what, what my goals were. And actually I came to this decision that focusing on being financially well, and this was 10 years ago now. So before even wellness was more of a focus and acceptable concept, um, everyone's after wealth, everyone wants to get rich. And that was too stressful. What, what would happen was if I wanted to try and get rich, it'd be one step forward, two steps back because there's no shortcuts to it really. So I then decided to focus on being well, financially well, and focus on doing one thing at a time. So saving a thousand pounds, making sure that I don't go into further credit, making sure that I can help my family in an emergency. Then it was, okay, I'm going to ditch debt for my life because what I'm realizing is all my when I looked at my budget, there were so many finance options on there and quite normal ones, you know, not excessive debt, but car finance, phone finance, um, student loan going out. Sofa. Sofa. Next directory, like all these little bits. And we didn't even have things like Klarna then. I just realized all my money was going to everyone else. So how was I going to save for a house? How was I going to build up a, a nest egg for myself and my daughter? Because at this time, there was just the two of us. So I had this light bulb moment about managing my finances one thing at a time and graduating through these levels. So fast forward years later, I did do really well with money. People did ask me how I did that. And I, I also like to share on Instagram, and I don't know if you remember Instagram of five years ago, quotes were a big thing. Like, mm. yeah, yeah like really motivational good. quotes and things like <laughs> yeah. that. Anyone with that. I mean, Canva wasn't around then. Oh my gosh. <laughs> if you scroll to the bottom of our Instagram feed, you'll get some shockers. Um, <laughs> But, but it was speaking more directly about the kind of issues we started talking about at the beginning, about how women are behind and about how um, marketing is out to get us, the, the fact that finance is tricking us to be in debt forever. And it just worked really well. And if you fast forward all the way to, you know, a year ago now, um, I said to Holly, look, I think there's something in this. We, we built a product called the Financial Playbook, which was a summation of all these hacks and, and methodologies into one ebook. And we put it up for sale and sold about five, 600. And then people kept asking for a spreadsheet to go with it. So we built a really simple spreadsheet that matched it. So I said to Holly, there's something in this because people, there's so much money content out there. It's overwhelming actually being told what to do a bit like a meal plan, a fitness plan, a health plan. Mm. 100%. People like it. And so I said to Holly, I know this, but I don't, I don't know how I could commercialize it. I don't know how I could sell it. And I also don't know, I feel like we could work with some really good partners and Holly's background was partnerships. And so, I mean, what did I say to you? Did I say, do you want to quit your job? Like what? (laughs) (laughs) It probably didn't, maybe. I vividly remember walking, because that's all you did in lockdown together. So you could be together. Um, And Laura was just like, there's definitely something in this. The qualitative feedback we were getting from people saying, you've changed my life, like not like really inspirational stuff. People had paid off thousands of pounds worth of debt, even though their like beauty business was closed during the pandemic. They had their best like financial year because they finally had time to just sit and reflect and then go work through this plan without any distractions. It actually came as a blessing, weirdly locked down for some people to just regain focus. Um, and look, relook at the goals and like what they wanted to achieve and all that kind of thing. And then we had people, female solo home buyers, so people that never thought they could get on the property ladder on their own because it's much harder for females to um, to buy a house, to buy a property as a female solo owner. So that was like really inspiring stories. And we've even had what you would call a financial baby. So someone cash flowed IVF. It was a second child. They didn't think they'd be able to afford uh, going through IVF again. As everybody knows, it's a really costly process and a big decision to make financially as a family and the, a couple worked through this plan together and they now have baby Isaac in oh my God, that's uh, the nicest story. yeah so we had these really heartwarming stories and Laura was just like look this is gathering momentum we need to we need to scale basically so that's how the financial playbook was born like Laura said that was our MVP if you like but Laura was obsessed with getting the data so she's like I, I know that this is a real big societal problem and we can make massive societal change by showing people as a community debts going down and assets going up and nothing bad really happens when women have more money. Sally Krawcheck said that from Ella Best in the US mm-hmm. and we really believe that's true. The rest is history, guys. Then we're here. <laughs> Absolute superwoman, by the way, single mom. Honestly, like the fact that you're here and standing. 
<laughs> I find it difficult enough with the support of like my family and my husband. So honestly, like that's incredible. <laughs> Absolutely. No, and, and it, but I think sometimes you know, people have their own mini versions of crises or what we call life events. People come to us when there's a life event. And I think that was a life event for me back then. Yeah. It was, you have to take control now. Motivation. You just don't know what's going to happen and, and people have these triggers i'm pregnant or i've got a new job or i want to move yeah. to the city you know and financial stability is really important when when you bring a kid into that it's you know everything like you because the the instinct to protect and provide is you know insane i, I never knew this feeling existed yeah, I think, you know, a big thing we ask the people in our community to really think about is what financial wellness means to them, mm. because it's very personal and it, 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 it's different to everyone. There tends to be some themes, which is being in control. So mm. even if it's not all working out, as long as you're in control, you're not avoiding yeah. a problem that could, could be building and you just feel better. And um, also having security. So yeah, security is yeah. like an emergency fund, whatever it may be for you. Yeah. It may be stable housing, whether it's long-term mm-hmm. rental and, and money in the bank or whether it's getting on the property ladder. And then later it's things like future. So it means if you're financially well, you can take on a lot of these challenges, you know, when things get a bit difficult, when kids are driving you nuts, when you're struggling to have children you, and you're deciding actually how can we take the next steps. There's all these things that if you just have this base layer that that we just mm. think no one talks about in finance. Everyone's all about the hustle and the money, but no one's talking about how it makes you feel. Yeah, I and actually just that. being comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, like financially comfortable, I think is important. I think it's such a weird like thing where like um, we don't talk about money because it's so taboo. But then when we don't talk about it, we fall into these traps of like one not always making the best decisions because we don't always have the context um, because we don't talk about it. We don't ask. And then also like, because we don't really talk about it, like the inequality and, you know, men talk about it. Like they talk about how much their raise was or their end of year bonus or like my biggest pet Before it's even happened as well. I feel like guys are like, I'm about to close this deal worth like thousands of pounds. And I like Barry and I are the same. Like we didn't even tell anyone we got a book deal until like months after the contract was signed. <laughs> yeah. Where we like don't count our chickens before they hatch because I think women are just much more protect. Like there's obviously tons of stats. Men are more risk taking, et cetera. And women are more non risk takers. Um, but like my biggest pet peeve about my partner and I love him so much and he's not listening anyway. So I could say this. Um, <laughs> is like public talking about crypto funds. Like I find it the biggest turnoff. It gives me the absolute ick. Like, but then it's also like, if he mentions it in front of ever anyone, I will like give him the death stare and I'm like, shut that down now. <laughs> like, but like at the same time, it's like, it's okay to talk about and stuff like that. But like, for some reason, it just like, gives me the ick but if a woman was talking to me about it I'd be like no tell me more about your crypto portfolio like I want to know what you're doing and how you do it I find it so inspiring but like a white man talking about it I'm like get out of my face I don't know why I think it's so interesting you're bringing this up we've done so much research on this even from like women wanting to hear about money from women so you basically Mm. said what we know I was just about to say that yeah when you think Laura always refers to like the role models probably still in Laura Sunder but when when you refer to the role models especially in the UK you've got people like Martin Lewis who is great and he's a consumer champion but he's a white man in a blue suit talking on daytime television and yeah none of that for me yeah, sometimes like shouting at you as well, like you are about, you know, great. And then you've got like Rishi Sunak and you've got the, or like Warren Buffett, like everyone is male. You associate with money is a white male, whether we like it or not, or, or from a privileged background or currently living in a privileged like area of society. So it's so interesting you say that we hear a lot of women getting the ick when men are talking about money. But we the content that we create, we want, we're very passionate about giving women just enough information that they can hold a conversation in the pub about crypto or mm. investing or debt or whatever it might be. Yeah. We just want to give that a little People don't need to know everything. They don't need to be a financial expert. And a lot of women, especially shy away from knowing anything because they feel like they need to be an expert. 
your your partner def- doesn't sound like an expert in crypto, but he sounds like he knows enough to have to a go. trade, have a go, mm. and hold a conversation about it. And we just want women to be in that same arena. Yeah, I completely agree. I'd love to hear more about like where what other gender gaps do you find? I think long enough, you know, and you'll get angry. <laughs> so, like, I think where where all of my interest in this really stemmed from is I think I read an article about something about like how women take less risk and like how the gender pay gap widens because we take time off to be moms and then we accumulate less wealth and over time it's just like quite drastic, right? And I think that's how I found you guys. I was just like Googling because I was just like, this is ridiculous. I'm on a mission to like take back control, like you said before. And I like want to pay off my student debt. Like I'm from America. So you God only knows how much student debt I have. Um, and I want to be financially well. Um, but yeah, I'd just be interested to hear like what other gender like is I just find it fascinating I just want to talk about it all the time (laughs) well and you know what we find that our husbands and the partners in our communities lives love hearing about it too because I think what we start off with is a lot of people don't realize that there's these biases so some of them are very obvious with things like the gender pay gap but but then how you deal with them as as a as a family uh, you know no matter how, no matter what your gender makeup, because even in same-sex families, it's, it comes to parental care and that's, yeah. where, that's where it impacts. So it's actually not just a male and female thing, but generally it is. So, you know, I usually give, I give an example, which is um, imagine we're playing Monopoly and you've got twins, a girl and a boy, and they're getting ready to start work and you give them both £100 at the beginning of the day, but you'll take £20 off your daughter because she'll get paid less because of the gender pay gap. So their day starts with her on £80 and him on 100 And then she, far more than him, will be bombarded with marketing and advertisements to, to take money from her. Women control 85% of the world's spending. So even though we don't have the wealth, um, we're in charge of the food shop or the holiday decision mm. or the clothes shopping. And with an aggressive... That's such an interesting market. stat. Well, it, re- it, it it surprised me, but actually when you think about it... It doesn't surprise it, me. It, it, <laughs> that's what's happening. That's literally what's happening. And, you know, we... Our Instagram feeds are very different to our partners. Ours will be buy this, look like this. You know, you must invest in things to improve how you look and how you feel or travel or whatever. But but a, a male's feed tends to be more aspirational, like growth, fitness, politics, possibly wealth. Um, so if you think that she probably spends another £20 because she literally, psychology is being used against her relentlessly. So she ends up with £60. He's still got 100 So when you then take into account the fact that we say, oh, you should invest for your future, you should make sure that you're financially well and that you've got a good pension pot and you should invest in crypto and whatever she's got 60 and he's got 100 and you've still got to pay for your basics energy oh, food prices fuel i know yeah. i have so many questions we'll get on to that. the basic necessities still need to be looked after so so they're both but that's happened to both but what you yeah, end yeah. up what, what you end up with is the risk profile is very different the baseline is different so she is being told to invest when she already has a lot less than her than her brother Whereas he has a hundred to play with, you know, you could do your expenses and then you might put some in a pension, which is quite stable and you're going to get the top up from the government. And then you might put some into crypto because someone's talked about it on TikTok. And then you might get some Apple stocks because you buy that much Apple product that you think it's going to do well. So so the the baselines are very different. So then when you see the gender investment gap, you know, there's 1.65 trillion pound gender investment gap in the UK only. I dread to think what it is in the US because it's, you know, mm. obviously four, four or five times bigger, bigger country. Is it any wonder? It, it really makes sense because it's not just that we're paid less. It's that the gap widens and widens because we have less to invest. And because we have less to invest, we then invest less because yeah. it's risky. And then and investment is exponential, right? So if you start with less and you have less to contribute, it's yeah, less 100%. overall. The, the compound impact is, is very real or not real, dependent on your, your starting position. So, for example, when you chat about this with males, um, you know, Holly and I had very different maternity leaves because of proactive planning. I think if, if yours would change now, yours and your, your husband's would change your plan because of what I did. But when Holly went on maternity leave twice, 
her husband actually got paid more on paternity leave in the six to eight weeks he had than the whole two years she had off because she worked for a business that did not do any enhanced maternity pay. Um, And as a consequence, all that time, that's two years of pension contributions not being made. Whereas actually, conversely, her partner has a good job, but also has a really good pension contributions from his his company because they're very good like that. So that's two years where she's gone, oh my gosh, hang on, I did that. I looked after the home, I looked after the new baby, I went through a pregnancy, stalled my career. But which I is essentially have, a full-time job and a yeah, half anyway. And a half. <laughs> exactly. Now, a way that I prepared for it was my husband and I sat down, and this is for bit for uh, my second child, and we and we agreed to make a proactive payment into my pension for that year. Now it took us mm. to prepare for that. Like we knew we were gonna try for a baby, we knew that. Um, I was going to be at a disadvantage it was just a bill it was a direct debit that we set up that I'm not saying everyone's got the luxury to do that but I think couples having that chat and going hang on a minute and a lot well, of no men, one would even think to do that did your employer ma- match your pension even when you were on maternity or no it was just like accumulation so um the employer um didn't because it what that one wasn't done via right. my work pension I did a proactive extra one but obviously oh, I see I got the government top up. Now, to be fair, I probably could have asked them and, and challenged it. And uh, because the problem is, you it, it's taken as a cut of your salary and it's not part of your salary. So we as a family, and a lot of people don't realize you could do this, but a pension contribution could just be like a bill. It doesn't need to be out your salary. So for if you've got, you know, uh, a female that's working part-time or not working at all the family can pay money into her pension just by setting up a direct debit but you, like you said you're still getting the government contribution as well as yours this I is all an education piece as well like people just don't know and you can put really simple things in place like Laura said it's so easy to set up a pension now there are so many amazing apps that you can just download and literally today put 10 pound in your pension and the government will will map will top up and match is it 25 percent up to 25 percent like it's free money on the table and people just don't know it's made to I'm be gonna say you. it's just not spoken about enough because no. so many women don't know enough we're not taught it at school Barry and I both have experience running our own business we're learning as we go along I, I still haven't really got a clue what I'm doing I'm, I'm winging it you know okay. like I and I, I admittedly look to my husband for advice and support when it comes to running a business because I just feel like men are given so much more I don't know if support is the right word opportunity maybe yeah yeah the network so the other thing you know we're, we're female founders of a business as well as that they help each other out and and we you know in our growing business journey have found some amazing male advocates that have dragged us up they really have and you only know what you know and mm-hmm. until you have people putting yourself in front of investors in the right arena recommending you that's yeah that's, that's the it. thing yeah yeah, it's putting someone's name forward as well. And again, it's all just so male focused. The big thing as well we say is um, you can't be what you can't see. And so when it comes to role models, I love that there are loads of impressive business role models, such as the Karen Brady's of the world, Michelle Moans, but they get wheeled out every time, you know, there's only a handful of successful business women, but men, there are plenty. When it comes to finances, who does who can um, a young girl or a woman look at and go, yeah, actually, I believe you, you've got credibility, you understand what it's like being a woman, but you're still saying this is important and I should think about it. That's what's needed. That's what's missing. It's this figure that if you think about influencers, mm-hmm. we need to be influenced, but not to do something that's harmful, to do something that's really, yeah. really good for us. Big opportunity, to be honest. Yeah, it is. And I, the other thing that, you know, I'd love to be able to talk more about this, like openly with my audience, but it's a very privileged thing, right. To talk about finances and to talk about like, I was literally just about to say that (laughs) investments. And like, there was a time where I didn't even have money to like, like I was asking my boyfriend at one point be like, Hey, can I have money for a coffee? Um, Whereas now I experience so much financial freedom where I'm like, no, 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 I got that. Yeah. Hit something on my desk just because I can. And it makes me feel so good, but that's a very privileged space to be in. So how does, how do you talk about money while acknowledging privilege? 
So I think there's, there's, there's two sides to it. One, you know, talking about money is just a better thing anyway. So even if you are single and you know, you're out with your girlfriends and someone suggests going to Nobu, like you, <laughs> you read, oh, you heard Grace Beverly talking about when she goes to Nobu, she pays. Like she's not expecting her flatmates to all split the bill over a miso card or whatever. Yeah, she, yeah I, I liked that she was acknowledging that not everyone's got the privilege that she's got. I think she even lives with some of her friends. I doubt she even like charges them rent. She seems, it's like who you hang out with in your circles, isn't it? And she's very much like, I know my friends can't afford that, but I want that lifestyle. So I will afford it to them. Like she doesn't expect, you know, that social like pressure of when you go out for dinner and like someone's ordering like loads of stuff and you're sat cringing in the corner. Like I've literally had a gin and tonic and like a burger and you're all like going healthy. <laughs> yeah. I think that everyone's like, oh, you, you don't want to have that. Like, oh, she's tight. or oh, she's like, she's really scrimping. Stigma. Like, yeah. There's like a stigma attached, isn't there? But actually you know we've spoken to a lot of like male investors recently and they're like look I am not frivolous with money like you'll see what I'm wearing I'm not wearing like Gucci Dolce and Gabbana like I've got a white t-shirt from Zara jeans from like Gap and shoes from Nike like if people are dressing to this like social standards like they're not good with money every yeah. single one of them said they, they have no money so so having confidence in your group to be able to say, actually, I'm on a money journey right now. Like we've got some goals and every time I go out for dinner, I'm putting it further back. So can we go out once? Can we decide where we're going to go? Or it's, can everyone come around to mine? I'm going to cook because we're on this bit of a journey. Things are a bit tight right now. And, it, and it's not an embarrassment. Now, some people are in a position where they will be like that for a long time. Some people, it could be for a period of time, you know, where, where the costs are a bit tight. Doubling down on the goal. Yeah. yeah. So then, you know, on, and, and, and moving on from that, if you're in a relationship and this comes up on maternity and it comes up when there's just uneven salaries, if you're in a good space, really thinking about combining as much of your um, income as you can. And what I mean by that is it doesn't mean that you have to jump all in and merge accounts and go the full hog, especially if you're not married and there's lots of things we have to be careful about, about protecting ourselves. But if it's unequal, if it's not a 50-50 earning, then we find that women sometimes earn less, but then they're the ones getting the kids' shoes out of their salary and they're the ones yeah. getting the birthday present for the party the or the mother-in-law even, God yeah. forbid. And 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 it's not the ma- male, but the male doesn't see it. So it's not his fault. He's not actively seeing, but actually if you put it into one pot and spend from a single pot, you can feel a lot better. When it comes down to privilege, it is then about really understanding what is a what's in your budget and, and making it as big or as varied as you want it to be and not being scared of sharing that but but being humble you've been in that position and not everyone mm. has but you've been in that position where you know be thoughtful of someone else's money journey so when you're suggesting plans when you help when you're complaining that fuel's gone up you know I sometimes complain about that and then you see Ukraine on on the video and you go yeah you're kidding me like yeah. why are you necking a little bit it's because we're all on our personal journeys and I think the more we can think about the other person everyone's got a financial journey everyone money yeah. is needed for every single person can we have a little think about where they're at you know offering advice is great but again understand the different respective positions that that you're coming from and, and if you can encourage everyone to be a little bit more financially well there's an extra bit of stress that just gets removed from the conversation from both sides it's really fascinating it's such a social social um dilemma I think yeah it's just like owning it right and being upfront and honest and like yeah just owning the situation that you're in and doing what's right for you I dread to think the millennial females that I know and gen z females that are turning to things like buy now pay later to fill the gap in this like social arena like you know this world of instagram is like extremely tempting to like keep up with tiktok as well like there's always a new brand like popping up yeah hot. what do you guys think about the the klarna the buy now pay later i saw there was a segment on this morning maybe a few weeks ago about it um what do you guys think about it well we've not been sued we've not been sued yet (laughs) um buy now pay later is horrendous because it, it positions itself as the good credit. It positions itself as it's not as good as... Um, not as bad as credit cards. Not as bad as credit cards. Yeah, sorry. And, but when... So what we... So then I went straight to annual reports of some of these businesses and I share that with the, our community, which is 
you say it's free and not percent great. And yes, if you don't pay it, then it does impact your credit score and it does impact um, you financially. Sometimes you do have to pay fees. It's the other end, though. It's you're going to spend 58 percent more if you use it. That's why it's there. It's because ASOS will give one of these brands a cut and they're still 50% better off in revenue because you don't send it back and you do buy more than you can afford. And the number of people in our community that have ditched buy now, pay later and gone finally because it's all right the first time and then mm. you never catch up. And it's kind of teaching us to have things immediately and to absolutely buy. There's so many studies. I think a lot of Harvard ones actually but talking about with credit, you buy things you don't need. You buy more car than you can afford. We, we all do it with mortgages. We all look on Rightmove and look at what can I borrow and, right at the end and what's budget. at the top end yeah. in our human nature to feel like it's not it's not real money. If you had cash in front of you, would you spend £400 on ASOS? Mm. No. Would you spend £400 on ASOS if you had uh, buy now, pay later? Yeah, because I'll send some back and I'll spread the payments. And, yeah. da, da, da. and you know, it's like when you go on... I was gonna say it's like when you go on holiday and you've got like different money and it feels a bit like monopoly money. Fake yeah. money. It's like Woo! yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so like that. But a lot of people try and defend buy now pay later, especially the buy now pay later brands, to be like it's a great option for emergencies. But ninety five percent of what people buy on buy now pay later is beauty or clothing. Yeah. And seventy five percent of the demographic that make up buy now pay later customers are females. I think they're age eighteen to. 30 maybe so I might be make it don't quote me on that one but it the 75 percent make it's female yeah. makeup they're targeting customer. women they're not targeting men that they, they know what they're doing the you know the the branding is very very clear the shops that that it's in so it's ta- it's targeting us I mean we nearly did a campaign once and we'll tell you guys because it's a secret um for your community um Holly did this campaign <laughs> which was getting the CEOs of all these brands and putting them on an Instagram um post and saying do you think they paid for their suits in three four or six yeah they're all That's so funny white middle-aged white men that own these by now women companies you know they're, they're definitely not you know they're they're making money off women making millions like like what Klarna is the second most valuable fintech in the world in fact it possibly may have just gone to the the, the first 46 billion, I think it's worth. Mm. And they've not, and you know, they're going to do great things other than buying up later, actually. They're, they're doing, they're going big into a different sphere, but all around getting us to part with our money in a much more effective way. What do you guys think about it? Uh, I, I've used it once to buy a luxury item that I probably, I could have afforded, but it's nicer to see it come out in increments than all at once. And it wasn't a, like, I could have just taken it out of my savings, right? Like it, it literally would have been no different, but like, there's just like a mental thing where it's like, oh, well, I don't have to dip into my savings and I can Dope spread me. it out across. Yeah. It's like, um, but I haven't used it since. And that was pre pandemic. Um, no, it was the first year of the pandemic. Sorry. Um, but I, I see the issue with it and I think I'm on my own other financial journey as well and it's like if I can't if I'm not willing to part with it within my savings what what's the difference between using Klarna so I feel like I'm trying to get out of the mentality but I see how easy it is and now that you explained how it's like branded for women using on ASOS and like cult beauty and those kind of companies I'm pissed off I'm never going to use it again and it's so frictionless as well so they've invested millions into making the checkout as seamless as possible so a lot of people we speak to are like I didn't even realize I didn't want to use Klarna like it was it's literally the top it's the top number one choice above debit card because you might look at it and you get to the end and the psychology will be hmm if I pay on Klarna I could get that t-shirt I actually really wanted as well so I'm going to go back and get it like there's the psychology built behind these like consumer brands. It's terrifying. And especially, you know, we know that buying Apple later is generally the first brush that mm. young people have with credit as well. So for us, it used to be like, if you want to buy a house or you're at uni, like your parents would say, like build up your credit score. Like it's really important mm. to show that you have credit and then pay it off responsibly. Like that's a me- that's messaging that banks have pumped into um, communications for years before. And now it's the first brushes with buying Apple later. 
Um, it's just for a the, seven pound top that you pay in three yeah because it's not just that like, that's the start of your journey it starts you know innocent but you start to see now like you can get holidays on buy now pay later you can get food on Pizza. buy now pay later like we're getting into this worrying space especially when people are stretched beyond their means when it comes to like cost of living so it's, it's an interesting space they're very good at what they do they even have financial wellness pages and stuff on their website so they look like they're for the consumer is actually they mm. sell to retailers to sign up to Klarna and various others because there are loads now and zilch and that type of thing they, to they, say they'll spend your customer will spend more if they use us so get us on your everyone's account. just trying to make money right <laughs> and the, basically the at the expense of women yeah yeah the, the targeting women but they're targeting lower income women really if you think about where the vast majority of transactions are, you know, um, it's and and then we think about privilege because then we think actually for a woman who got who is twenty three and gets her first job interview in the city and wants to feel like she's got the suit for uh, the, the the suit from Zara and the bag and that she looks the part versus a man that literally once you've bought one or two things you kind of don't and then you know what do I say to that community member about Klarna or any by now pay later because they, they've just come out of university they're in student debt they've not got anything they've had to pay two months rent up front blah, blah blah there's loads of reasons why I can absolutely appreciate that in a moment yeah it's really empowering for someone to say I can, can deploy this into a work wardrobe that I feel I need to to just maintain my position as a professional female not to to show off just to look professional because we are judged on what we look like and what we wear mm. but the, the the problem is the psychology completely overtakes the, the original functional purpose and so what we say at financial is strategy over willpower it's just the same as a fitness journey it's just the same as a health journey mm. if you have a fridge full of fresh food you are so much more unlikely to go to um, McDonald's. And yes, you may once in a while, but actually having strategies in place, that willpower in that moment is is really hard psychologically to overcome. It's the same with your money. If you have like a good budget and you and you try and do it and you try and cut things that you don't need so that you've got extra, you, you build up a clothing budget, you build up an emergency fund. In that moment, I would even class that as an emergency. I need an outfit for work because I want to get this job, which can take me further. Those are the strategies you can put in place to absolutely help you when willpower's down the bottom, you know, on the first day of your period, when you're stressed and when you've no money and when life's against you and when you're on Instagram and, you know, someone shows a new outfit. Yeah, 100%. You yeah. said something there that was so, like, I just related it back to, like, what you said about the health journey. It's all about, like, creating those small easy to manage sustainable habits that like set you up for success that way when motivation is low or life throws something at you you can rely on those tools to support you it's it's like incredibly similar to health exactly. and wellness and nutrition yeah we, we compare out the financial playbook to like we always use like the phrase the couch to 5k for money because yeah so I saw much. that in your ad yeah. <laughs> people just get it straight away like you're like oh I get that I'm on board with it I, I understand what I will be doing and how you will help me and how accessible it is and I think that's the biggest word so it's accessibility so you know being fitter rather than I want to be able to do a marathon yeah such a it's you know tangible thing the couch to 5k isn't because we all wake up one morning and want to be able to run 5k it just means if you can run 5k you can run you can run you can keep going even if you have breaks and stops you you can do a workout that makes you feel good that looks after your body and it's the same with health you know rather than saying I want to be 10 stone by saying I want to be healthier leaner fitter stronger these are words that actually every day that you go for a walk or that you um, eat well or you drink more water, it's just all going to help you. And I think that's where we get to with finance. And, you know, by doing this plan, I mean, I on a personal level was probably about 25,000 in debt when I first started in my early 20s going, right, I'm taking control now. I'm fed up. I'm, um, I'm getting my shit together. And, you know, on a, on a personal level, my net worth will be, you know, over half a million soon. And that's tied up into investments. It's tied up into two properties. It's tied up into big emergency funds because I am absolutely risk averse and I'm a self-employed business owner. So um, that's kind of my portfolio is spread and it's according to my wellness. And I am not. I have not been a stupid high earner. I have never speculated on, on ridiculously risky things. This has been a 15 
12 to 15 year journey actually now probably and so coming back to the beginning about focusing on financial wellness rather than wealth is that if you just focus on these little strategies and habits that make you feel more financially well they actually work like we were saying at the beginning that the numbers then work together so if you hold property for a long period of time it will probably go up in value if you have emergency funds in place should you lose a job feel unwell you know need, need to, to take need to take time for your health you can and if you put money into an investment account and ignore it you can let the government put money in and your employer put money in it will grow quite a lot um, it's gone backwards the past quarter actually but in the world's yeah. in a different place I'm sure it'll come back long term <laughs> yeah, so yeah long term. it's possible you know th- this is possible you just have to be willing to make some little changes to probably change your mindset more than you change anything massively in your life mm-hmm. and let the numbers do the work let it, you, it you just have to work. face it how many times and have I, I heard say like education say, is key and not being ignorant yeah or just so many Ignorance people is bliss. Yeah. And so many people have been like, oh, no, I don't want to check my bank account. Like, yeah, check your well, bank account. Yeah. Like, if they're too like, oh, no, I don't want to see the number today. Or like, like using your card and hope it doesn't get declined. Yeah. <laughs> just like in there. And check. Some are there more than others in a month, you know, and it's not it's not single to anyone. You know, we have high net worth individuals in our community that go into their overdraft like this is not for a certain sector of a community that's at the lower end of the earning scale either like that you wouldn't believe the stories like people managing you know ridiculous amounts of money in their workplace but then when they come home at night they're still it's that mindset thing like I'll just put it on the card I'll just put it on the card I'll just put it on the card like so good at negotiating with agencies in the workplace like agencies give me a budget I will get you down to half but I can't negotiate for myself which is like the weirdest thing like I I just can't stand up for myself but I can like figure out a way for our company to yeah pay less um which is just so weird like on it like very commercial blah blah blah. and ever since doing the playbook now I'm much more like that in my home life but years ago I'd have just been like who do we, who's the gas with and how much do we pay? And yeah. Just, like, really nonchalant towards my own personal finances of which that's the most important thing because if I want to be a ha- homeowner or have kids or travel or whatever, that's all in my control. Totally. Like I'm not like, I I've, I've, I just know people be like, oh, well, if you call your phone company, you know, you've been with them for like 10 years, like ne- renegotiate your contract, like get them down. And it's like, oh, well, that's fast. But in the office, I'll recall all our like SaaS <laughs> networks or something and be like we need to cut everything by 45 percent, or we're out and they're like okay like I I feel like there's something about this is where like women can help other women so um I think we're like that because no one's taught us to be like that in our with our finances you know it's not our parents fault necessarily but they weren't taught either so you know I every beautician I ever go to I say do you have a pension I think they think I'm absolutely nuts that I am <laughs> just walking around asking people do you and be like who is this crazy uh, I wish I, I wish I wish she was joking but I've been with her yeah no so. I do <laughs> it's like how long before she gets into the conversation because a self-employed female is far more likely to not have a pension um, than anyone else auto enrollment helped us all through work start investing in pensions even if it's nowhere near enough that at least gets us going whereas you know so self-employed beauty business owners hairdressers social media managers creatives tend to be more inherently female businesses and there's a whole generation of people you know girl bossing and working for themselves not investing in pension and I think it's because other women are not talking about that it's a similar way you know over dinner where my friends will get into the habit of sharing you know not necessarily their net worths you know like I I guess did today but talking about I might um remortgage actually what rate are you getting and um and I, or I'm getting an inheritance and I don't know what to do with it what do you think I should do with it and a, a debate across a table I always say the sex and the city girls were talking about their portfolios and maybe their crypto as well as talking about fashion and uh, sex mm. and life then maybe that's that would have been a positive influence that millennial generation would have had to then have that those conversations Oh my God, you could totally do that as a whole campaign, right? Like Charlotte would be so like, you know, standard index. (laughs) (laughs) Samantha's in crypto, definitely. Yeah, Samantha's like reporting on the daily, like 
downward trends of everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. You guys could totally go into that. That's hilarious. Um, just, I have like one main question because I know we're coming to the end of the time. Um, with like the rise in energy bills and like, oh God, just yeah. like the total shift in inflation. I, I read the stat that was like, if you don't touch your money in 10 years, it's going to be worth half or something like that because inflation oh God, is just God. going up like, yeah. And just like, what are your tips or your advice to kind of like us in our community? Like what, what should we be thinking about to like counterbalance these rising costs? So I think in the, in the short term and practically when it comes to energy and we've actually just done um, an article on this, haven't we? It's, it's not burying your head because it's coming. So these price rises are happening. You know, we have been telling our community, start putting money aside into an energy sinking fund for when this happens, because it's gonna happen at such a big percentage change in, as, into your budget, that it's gonna feel a shock. You know, it, and I think people keep sharing these letters and showing like the price doubling and it, and it, it you know, this is about feeling better. So quite a few people in our community have, have been grateful we've said that, but it's gonna happen again in October. So properly budgeting for it seeing it on the horizon and understanding that your budget is going to have to change end to end is really important it's similar with um food and it's similar with with fuel so what decisions can you make on a on a monthly basis or even a daily basis that help that a little bit um so i think not burying your head that that's happening is important the other, the other side to this is, you know, making your money work is about investing, but the problem is women have less to invest to start with. And this is why it's really important to just get control and to make some of these bigger decisions, which is I'm not going to take out a new car finance, actually. I'm going to work to pay that one off because I don't want to pay £400 a month for the rest of my life to Ford or BMW. I actually want to pay myself that because there's one thing saying women, you should make sure you're investing, but what are they going to invest? You have to have spare income to put into the market. So looking a bit earlier in some of these other choices as a family and seeing where you can cut things that are not as important as your future is a, is a big one. The, the third one, and I think we have this debate quite a lot, is when it comes to the emergency or savings that you do hold having a big debate about risk with your friends, with your partner, you know, for some people they have 20,000 pounds in cash and, and they want that and it makes them feel better. And they know that the price of that is it's going to go backwards, but it buys them peace of mind because they're in uh, temporary employment, self-employed, fluctuating income, they're going to be having a baby, whatever. But if you are in like a solid job or you've had a really good income for quite some time and you've got 20,000 pounds in cash, you really should start thinking about splitting that up and holding some and putting some th other things into the market. Now, when we say the market, obviously we mean the traditional market, the, the stocks and shares market has gone up and up for years. That is a long, long-term thing. So that's the thing that's going to help you beat inflation. But if you think about it, as we talked about earlier, the more money you have, the more disposable income you have, the more choices you can make. So if you want to make some speculative investments like starting your own business or putting some money into cryptocurrency or uh, buying an NFT because you've got these other boxes ticked. You can take that risk because your risk baseline, as we talked about earlier, has, has gone down. There's less risk. So we often got, you know, you I like my husband, weirdly, I always used to be the worrier, but since doing the playbook and working, talking about money every single day and, and educating myself, I'm much more of a risk taker now. So we've got an emergency fund sat there and I'm going, it's too big. That emergency fund is too big like do you feel okay and he's like yeah I feel good and I'm like right okay so we're going to take a bit of a risk now and that this he's like who are you and what are you doing with my, my like risk averse wife. wife but I think because we talk because we talk about it every day it's normalized it and because we've got strong financial foundations put in place by doing our plan genuinely I am much more comfortable with being like, you're right, my money's going to go backwards. Like, we're not letting that happen to us. Like, we've worked too hard to get where we are, make all these decisions, create a really solid budget, decipher and decide between us and negotiate what's important and what's yeah. not. We've had all those awkward chats and now I'm like, ready to take yeah. a risk, let's go. And he's like, Jesus Christ, what is she going to do now? But And actually on that, one last thing. So I reported every day we try to do a financial times, which is like a 60 second, what's in the finance news today that could be helpful to us. So um, inflation is at running about 5.4% at the moment, um, but wages are actually up at 4.3-ish. So, so 
the, the headline was wages like one percent wages like behind inflation actually it was one percent behind what that says to me though is what are women doing about what they're earning so the market is telling me that their unemployment is, is at its lowest for years there are more job vacancies than ever before there's a digital workforce now where we can kind of work remotely and tap into different roles I think women are less likely to move around jobs. And I think that there's an opportunity 100%. in the current climate to ask for more or look elsewhere and mm-hmm. not feel it's a bad thing. Yeah. And, and your income is one of the biggest ways that you can look after your future financial wellness because it's your income that you put into these growing tools. Yeah, I think that's, I had a bit of a learning around that this year. Um, and it's really scary to ask for what you think you are worth. Um, but like fear of employer- getting shot down. Yeah, fear of getting shot down, but like you have nothing to lose, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't know so if you don't resources. go. Yeah, exactly. There's so many resources as well that can help you. And I would I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but I would urge women not to go and get like a career coach for that. Like yeah. women keep parting with their money to go and seek advice from somebody like a coach, like a wealth coach or a career coach or whatever it might be like there is plenty of resources out there and also speak to your friends speak to senior management people that you can trust to be like teach me Mm -hmm. how to get to the next level do benchmarking you know a lot of people just go into to a a room full of their colleagues and say like I want to get paid more well why because cost of living is going up Mm -mm, doesn't work like that you have to do benchmarking see what the market rate is show like your experience what you've delivered go over and above like there's plenty of things you can do to get a pay rise rather than just saying oh it's because of cost of living or because I want to buy a house yeah (laughs) Not I get it. <laughs> that might be the reason. True. But yeah, go about it a different way. Amazing. This has been so insightful. I love these chats. I think like we said at the beginning, like just having the open conversation um, women to women is just so helpful. Needed. Yeah. Where can everyone find you guys and learn more about what you do? So I guess the first place is we'd love you to download our app. It's it's free and there's a paid element if you want help with the tools that that make you work the plan. But we're just financial in the app store and we'll come to the top. Um, And we're probably most active on Instagram. So if you want some daily content in your feed, in amongst all the different other um stuff we're there to help so just financial on instagram and we love dms we love people chatting to us we, we always keep things confidential but it's amazing what you can kind of get off your chest and feel quite a bit better and we're here to listen um but it's been so good chatting obviously it's been a bre- i feel like we've just had a chat over coffee even though we're all remote um in fact probably cocktails because that will do the sex and the city uh, <laughs> 100% <laughs> do it so appreciate you asking us <laughs> to share our story Oh, well, thank you so much. That's the whole point of the podcast is just to sit down and feel like everyone's having a lovely chat with us. So hopefully, I'm sure everyone has learned a lot. Um, thank you so much for your time. And we will include everything you said in the show notes as well. Amazing. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Thanks. guys. We'll see you all next week, listeners. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Forking Wellness Podcast. As always, please rate, review and subscribe. And share with your friends if you love this episode. It really does help us get seen in the chart. You can now also order our Forking Wellness book anywhere books are sold. Order it on Amazon Prime for next day delivery. And Barnes & Noble in America. And if you love the book, we would so appreciate a review on Amazon. We absolutely love hearing your feedback and we really hope you enjoy it. We'll speak to you guys next week. Bye.